good to be with you. It's so fun to have the, the animals out there just enjoying that. I remember a couple of years ago, how many of you were here back when we actually marched the camel through the worship center? As I reflect back on some of the more poor decisions that I've made as uh, the pastor here, that was definitely the top of the charts. There's a little moment where, it, do you guys remember this? It did a little bit of a kick as I was coming out of here. And I was like, oh man, I could have just killed an entire group of uh, people from Agora. But anyway... Uh, good to be with you all and excited to be in a section of scripture outside of the book of Acts. It was actually quite strange this week as I'm doing my study. I'm like, oh, there's other books in the Bible. And uh, so we're in the book of Luke chapter 2. You can start turning your Bibles there this morning. And as we're going there, you'll kind of catch on to the idea. We're doing a, a series working through the journey of Christmas. And the journey of Christmas, looking at different characters from the Christmas narrative. If you remember at the Christmas cafe last week, we covered a number of them, Zechariah and Elizabeth, Mary, the wise men. Now we're moving on to look at the story of the shepherds. And this might be a familiar story. I don't know if you maybe even memorize this section of scripture, but I do have a guest reader this morning that I wanted to read our scripture. Maybe you recognize him here on the screen. Who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Long, slow pauses there. Can you imagine that in present day cartoon world? Uh, they need more action, but I love that. And it's pretty beautiful to think of that story, even making it into uh, the, the Christmas story, the Charlie Brown Christmas. I was talking to a, a woman after the first service and she said, I remember as a kid before knowing anything about Jesus and hearing that and being like, oh, that is what Christmas is about. And for us this morning, the one caution with the familiar is that after you've heard that and maybe memorized that so many times that we can actually grow a bit numb to it. We can actually sound almost like Linus's tone there. We're like, oh, he came, he was born, and yeah, there we are, Christmas. But here the hope is this morning is that we can look at this passage of Scripture with fresh eyes. And realize it wasn't just an a, a, a amazing story for these random shepherds. It's an amazing love story of God reaching out to us still a couple thousand years later. Let me pray before we explore this passage. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful for this season and a chance to spend time together worshiping you and celebrating your birth. It's an amazing thing that you chose to enter in to engage amongst us come down to rescue us. And we ask that you teach us with fresh eyes this morning just to see you and to be able to make it into this Christmas season uh, with enough pause to celebrate your birth. We invite that now in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 
All right, so Luke chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 8 with that same account that was read. You're very familiar. It says, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. I want to just stop there for a little background on this, for this is the first time we're introduced to kind of the, the main characters of this section, is these fortunate common shepherds that are about to hear the birth announcement of God in the flesh. This is something I would propose they never, ever forget. You love that, and the fact that it was exactly where God had promised it would happen. And when it says the same region, that's talking about where I just spoken about the town of Bethlehem, the area in which it was predicted all the way back in Micah 5.2 would be the birthplace of the coming Messiah. I love that when you think about anyone that would propose Jesus being a, a, an imposter Messiah. It's kind of hard to actually uh, predict where you're going to be born. But Jesus, literally following these prophecies perfectly and born in the, the city of Bethlehem, I found it also interesting that Bethlehem actually means the house of bread. That's what the word means, Bethlehem, and literally the bread of life is about to be born in the house of bread. A couple of interesting things just about shepherds, if you're uh, familiar with shepherds at all. Really, if you think about it, so many of our uh, biblical heroes were shepherds. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, even David himself, and Jesus spoke often about God being what? A good shepherd in the way in which he cares for us. So it's a beautiful thread throughout scripture about shepherds, but really in this day and age where this story has taken place, a shepherd was not somebody that was held in high regard. In fact, as far as like a social ladder thing, they would be at the very bottom rung. In fact, I was reading this week some different commentators that talked about dif different rabbinic sources that identified shepherds as being known as being extremely dishonest and thieving. In other words, when they'd bring their sheep to an area, they were known for actually stealing from the land and even a sheep that were born that the owners wouldn't have known about keeping for themselves. And so because of that, because they were held in kind of a, a poor view of shepherds, I found this interesting that they weren't allowed to hold a judicial office or admitted into courts to be a witness. Think about that for a second. They're just about to be in God's economy, in his kingdom. They're about to be witnesses to the greatest event of all time. That's what I love in God's upside down kingdom. He doesn't require any prerequisites of any group of people getting their act together or having some kind of a position in the chain of, of what we've established as high and low as far as people go. For them, they were considered at the bottom of that, but yet God meets us exactly where we're at. Other interesting thing is not just about the sheep, but also, I mean, about the shepherds, but also about the sheep. Something that you might not recognize is the city of Bethlehem was about six miles south of Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem and the temple, what God had established was a sacrificial system as the atonement for sins. And what was the, the, the these sheep, if they're that close to uh, Jerusalem, would have most likely been being raised for one specific purpose to die as an atonement for sin. So the reason I say that it was good news for the sheep is because what did Jesus come as? 
He came as the the lamb that would be slain, the ultimate permanent sacrifice for our sins. So amazing news that's about to be told for the shepherds and I would propose also for the sheep. He meets us right where we're at. Verse 9, And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Imagine the scene here. Sometimes it's fun to kind of enter into what that must have been like for these shepherds, probably in the evening, maybe a late the, uh, where the, the sky is just pitch black. They're maybe whispering under the, the stars a little bit. And then all of a sudden, a breakthrough of extreme light into darkness. Anybody had that experience before going from dark to light? I have fun with my son who's 13 years old. His name's Chase. And one of the things I do that's somewhat cruel, one might say, is I'll tuck him in at night now, right before going to bed, and he'll, he'll be all snug in, ready to go to sleep. And as I'm walking out of his room for the night, I'll say, okay, good night, Chase. And I'll flip on his light and then leave. Isn't that cruel? I know. And so I have issues. I'm in counseling. But here's the thing. And so my, my, my son has actually kind of uh, made the choice to get even a little bit. So the other night, I do that. And then I walk out to unplug the Christmas lights in the garage. And I go to get back in the house in the cold. And the door's locked. So, so, uh, so it's, a, it's a little give and take. No clapping there. But anyway, the, the, idea, the idea is this, is the startle that that must have been to go from complete pitch black to all of a sudden this angel is there immediately present with him. I love looking at the word appeared there in the original language as it has the, the idea of someone that had drawn close to someone. This isn't as if an angel appeared way off in the distance. No, this angel was right there immediately in his or their face, you would say. And I love that the the picture there is immediately their response was what? The same thing that would happen to us. They were completely terrified. They were were full of uh, of fear. And it says that the angel as, uh, in fact, the King James Version actually says that they feared with great fear. That's a lot of fear. But the angel tries to calm them down. And this is always the case with the angel's visit. If you look throughout scriptures, like, calm down, fear not, for behold, I have good news. I love the translation of the, the word good news there. It's the word, the Greek verb evangelizo, where we get the word evangelize. Kind of cool to think that the good news that they were being told then is the exact same good news that we're still invited to extend to those around us. He arrives and he says, this is good news of great joy. Not just any joy. This is great joy that, the, that what? There's a Savior who's being born in this town of Bethlehem. Savior who is Christ the Lord. It's only two times in all of the Gospels that the word Savior is actually used. And so this would have been an uncommon thing maybe for the audience to hear. But the idea of Savior is something that so many present day miss. My wife and I were on a hike and we had an opportunity to look out on this upper cliff looking out at the ocean. And we're standing right at the edge there and there's a bunch of grass right at the edge. 
and uh, standing there. And all of a sudden, this guy comes running up with urgency. He's just like, watch out. Right on the other side of the edge is a straight cliff down, like 400 yards to the, uh, to the rocks below. We're like, oh, yeah, I guess we were kind of close there. I was thinking about that, that until you recognize that we're standing on the cliff of eternity, that literally we have a mankind that desperately needs God's rescue, and they don't even realize that, well, this group, this group of shepherds is hearing maybe even for the first time that a rescue was coming. And the rescue has a name. It says this, city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. Now for us, that just kind of flows off our tongue, Christ the Lord, we just say that. But in that day and age, Christ was the exact representation. The term Christ was saying Messiah. They had all been waiting for this Messiah to come for so long. So Messiah is a a beautiful, powerful word for this audience. But the more powerful word I would suggest is the word used there for Lord. It's the original word of Adonai. Adonai was the word that they used out of respect rather than repeating the word Yahweh. So basically, there's a respectful term for saying God. So this is Messiah God. In other words, screaming of the deity of Jesus Christ. This isn't just any baby. This is God. This is the Messiah. God in an earth suit. That's the only one that could qualify to be our Savior, to be our rescue, Christ the Lord. And he loved that he describes as staggering to the audience that the message was for all people, even shepherds, even common folks doing common things. Shepherds are invited, and he says, for unto you is born. I thought that was a a unique phrase that the angel chose to use, unto you is born. If you think about a a baby that's being born, you'd usually refer to being born unto the mother, but this baby's different. This baby's born unto you. In other words, for everyone, that's the reason of this arrival. Gives a little bit of a description of the baby that we're familiar with, wrapped in swaddling claws. That's fairly common what you'd wrap a baby in, but the part that we point out so often in Christmas is what? Lying in a manger. What in the world? The the king of kings, the God of the universe, the one that spoke things into existence, being born uh, among a, a bunch of animals. Unbelievable that he chooses to draw close to us. Continuing in verse 13, we see this scene progress, and suddenly... There was with them, with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Stop there for some explanation. It describes all of a sudden, if their jaws weren't already dropped enough with the presence of one angel, it uses the term multitude. I don't know if you can think back, what's the largest crowd you've ever been amongst? What's the biggest group? I remember when I was 13, we uh, ended up going to a Promise Keepers uh, event at Soldier Field. And I remember standing in that stadium, just seeing a a sea of people. It's usually a term, a multitude that you'd use when you're like, that's a bigger number than I can actually count. That's, That's so massive. Now imagine this night sky filled with a multitude of the heavenly host. So here's the other catch word that we so often move past. Because what do you typically picture? You picture that being a massive what? 
choir, right? With beautiful white robes, much like our Christmas cafe choir last week. But no, this is not what it's saying there. When it uses the term host, the word host there is the Greek word stratia, which is a military term that means army. So this is an army of heaven. This is all soldiers, and it doesn't say anything. Do you see anything there said about them singing? No, they're literally chanting something. Sorry to dispel that idea. You're like, oh, you just ruined Christmas. But here's the idea, is that these, this army is all standing there, and all of their splendor and glory and the shining of the glory of God is all around them, and they're all there. Picture this, these massive angels. We don't know what size, but I'm sure pretty impressive. We, they're all chanting the exact same thing. What are they chanting? We'll see it on the screen here. This is what I want us to do to get a little bit of a sense of what they're saying is we want to all muster up our deepest, tough angel voice, and we're going to chant that we're going to say this in unison together. Are you guys game for this? This is the part where we participate together. All right, ready? So get it, <clears throat> clear the throats, <clears throat> get, your, get your deep angel voice ready. Ready, let's say this together. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. One more time. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. That was nice. That was really nice. He's pictured that now with thousands upon thousands of angelic army characters, what that would have been like what that would have been like. Unbelievable experience. God overflowing into the night sky with all of his glory or even just a glimpse of his glory and splendor, definitely worthy of our praise. And you think about the reason why he's worthy of our praise. Think about what's happening here. It really was the ultimate military move. God in an earth suit, breaking into a planet. Who's the inhabitants of this planet? This planet is made up of every single fallen angel that has rejected God as creator and Lord. So that's part of the audience. Who else make up, makes up the audience on this planet that he's breaking through to? Every single person that has rejected the leadership of God and him as Lord of their life. So basically the entire planet is made up of an audience that he's breaking through to, to come live amongst them, literally allow them to hang him on a cruel Roman cross to die amongst his creation as a rescue plan for us. That's why, put that verse up one more time if you don't mind. That's why when it says that, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And in other words, man, he must be really happy with you guys if he's willing to come through and do this. Like all of a sudden, peace isn't just a warm, fuzzy idea. It's those of us that were at odds with God. Scripture describes us before Christ as enemies with God. So peace is having that relationship restored through Jesus Christ his rescue plan, I would say if that actually sinks in to the core of who we are, we recognize, man, the only appropriate response to Christmas is praise. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for breaking through on my behalf. God came down to rescue us. 
continue in verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Love that description there because what you notice is that this group of uh, shepherds didn't just sit around chatting about it. What do they say? Let's go see what has happened. In other words, when you use the word happen, you're like, oh, it's, it's a guarantee. It's not saying what could have happened. It's not saying what might have happened. It's like, let's go see what we're told actually has happened. See, throughout scripture, there's a, a pushing towards the idea that faith demands some kind of response. If you believe something to be true, then what? You actually want to go and see it and experience it. The same is true for us. If we acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord of our life, man, there has to be a change. There has to be a transformation. Let me use an illustration for a moment about this faith in action. So right here is a crisp $20 bill. Whoever wants to come up and get that $20, (laughs) he was there on Thursday night. He was there on Thursday night. That was not part of the script. But here's the idea. Uh, Here's the idea is what happens is when you believe something to be true, what? It causes some kind of response. There's action. (laughs) That was funny. Uh, It causes action in somebody's life. They're they're, going to like, man, I, I need to respond to this. The same is true for the shepherds. They were promised something in faith. They act on it. And then what happens when they go to see if it was true? What does it say? It says, and when they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. In other words, it was exactly as it was promised. And that's the thing for us still today. When we act in faith, when we actually put God and say, hey, you you promised this and we step out in faith, what does he do? He meets us exactly in that and he fulfills his promise perfectly to a T for us. For us, part of the Christmas experience is actually responding in faith to this journey. So he demands a response. Genuine faith demands it. Verse 17, should be talked about. And when they saw it, verse 17, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Imagine this scene. You think about really the natural response is when something amazing has happened. What do we do? What's the natural thing that we do? We tell others about it. I uh, told you guys a story about uh, just recent having the opportunity to win this all-expense-paid trip to Israel. Did you guys hear about uh, that happening? I hadn't won anything since a basketball in eighth grade. And uh, so won this trip. And what was the natural thing that I did? I started just telling everybody about it. In fact, my, my friend Ronnie, who lives in Chicago, I had called him and told the story. And, uh, and then I talked to him a couple of weeks later and I had forgotten that I told him the story. I'm like, hey, Ronnie, did I tell? He's like, I know you won the trip to Israel. And uh, we, we get it. And so similar to you, you're like, we get it, Scott. You told us already. The, the idea is this, is that when something amazing has happened, when something great, I mean, more than a winning a trip, when, when the God of the universe 
chose to came down as a rescue amongst living amongst us, providing a way to be reconciled with God. Are you kidding me? And always invited us to do is just, yeah, tell some people about it. Tell some people that it happened. It's worth, it's worth mentioning. The, these, these shepherds, nobody had to twist their arm or convince them, you need to go talk about this. What did they start doing? You imagine this is most likely still in the middle of the night. They're, they're knocking on doors. They're, they're, uh, people I imagine are checking their ring. They're like, I'm not answering that door. Oh, that's just us today. But uh, here, here, here's the idea. Imagine the chaos in that little town of Bethlehem. That little city, as the, the message is going out, and it says that they wondered at what the shepherds told them. The word wondered there isn't the word that we use for, I wonder if it was true. Wonder is the word used there of amazement. I can't believe this is happening. There's no glimpse of, of disbelief. It's like, whoa, I can't believe that the Messiah has finally come. And you imagine it says that, uh, describes Mary saying that it treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Mary didn't have the New Testament to read to piece all this together. So she's in real time being like, man, I can't believe this is happening exactly as it was told to me as it would happen. It says in verse 20, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen and had been told them. I wonder if they're, who actually, the question I have is who watched their sheep when they went to Bethlehem? Like, I'm sure they got sheep just scattered all over the hills. Like, they're like, we don't even care. But at some point, they went back to the degree of normalcy. Do you think they were ever the same people after that? No way. Their lives are radically transformed. That's why I prayed earlier, man, it'll be so fun to get to heaven someday and be like, what was it like after that? What happened next? I'm confident even though there's some normalcy, all of a sudden there was a new worship on their lips. There was a new message that they were anxious to share with everyone around them. I would love if that was our Christmas experience. You might go back to some degrees of normalcy, but there's a new message on our lips. We can't help but want to tell other people about it. We're excited and passionate about what Jesus Christ did entering in, that our experience would be the same as their journey, knowing that he will meet you where you're at. He desires to draw close. He's worthy of our praise, demands a response, and should be talked about. Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning for a chance to look at a story that's familiar My hope and prayer, though, here today is that it's seen through fresh eyes, be a new sense of wonder, a new sense of amazement this Christmas at what you chose to do to break through for our rescue. Unto us a child is born. Praise you for that this morning. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.